Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PoliticWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. This is going to be a short book review of a book that is thought-provoking, I think, everybody who is in politics should read. And it's called The Seven Rules of Power. It's by the Stanford professor Jeffrey Pfeffer. And in this little short podcast, I want to do a book review. And so I hope you find this valuable. I'm going to do three things. One is I'm going to first summarize this book in three sentences. Then I will go through every of the seven rules one by one. And then finally, I'll also share with you my thoughts on the book. And if you read this book and it provoked your thoughts, and if you disagree and you want to explore power further, then I will give you one or two other sources, I think, that would balance this particular perspective of Jeffrey Pfeffer. I think very well. So let's start with what is this book about? Well, the book is about the seven rules of power. It is based... And the uh, author, Jeffrey Pfeffer, really stresses this on social science. And it wants purposefully to go against much of the current leadership literature that emphasizes a power-free, collaborative leadership style that, the author argues, is not often not really based in the social science. So... The seven rules of power, they may be thought-provoking because they go against what we commonly like to read about when it comes to power and the new type of leadership. The overarching theme of this book is that the seven rules of power are there for you to follow, are there for you to really use in order to advance your own agenda, but also whatever it is that you want to change in the organizations that you work in or the world around you. So it's uh, a bit of a guide to actually shaping the world around you. And it does start, and this is when we get into the first rule of power, it really does start with yourself first. So yes, power is something that you need to have as a resource to shape the world around you, but the way you start doing that and building power is by understanding yourself, understanding what's blocking you. And so this is where rule number one comes in. And rule number one is get out of your own way. It starts with seeing yourself and describing yourself in a more positive, more empowering way. 
it's the type of vocabulary that you use and the perspective that you have of you versus the world. Is the world something that you need to adapt to, that you have no control over, or is it something that you can actually shape? And it starts with shifting the perspective to seeing the world around you as something that you can do something about. It's also about acknowledging that the world may be unfair, but that you decide how you deal with that. And not giving up in the face of, well, you know, this is how it is and the world is unfair and that's it. There's another element to getting out of your own way and that's to not fall victim to the curse of authenticity. And this is where the author is quite poignant and I, I, I agree and really like this perspective. And I want to quote you one paragraph here where he describes what he means with that. He says... When people tell me they need to be true to themselves, I ask, which self? Their six-year-old self, their 18-year-old self, or another? We are changing all the time, and some, maybe a lot, of that change requires doing different things differently. After all, nobody was born walking, talking, or using the toilet. Fortunately, few of us remain authentic to our infant selves. Don't let the notion that doing something new or different particularly if that new behavior is going to be helpful in your path to power, is inauthentic, become an excuse for thinking in ways that hold you back. So it's really a call here, and that's the end of quotes. It's really a way here to say, try out a new behavior. Don't let the idea of authenticity be a roadblock to you growing and trying out new things that at first might seem um, unnatural to you. That's rule number one, get out of your own way. Rule number two is break the rules. The idea here is that it's all about being proactive, taking the initiative, doing something, having a bias to taking action, even if it means that sometimes the action leads to an outcome that is hurting you or the other ones, you're making a mistake, you need to apologize. And here the idea is have a bias to action Don't ask for permission, but um, ask for forgiveness if something that you're doing goes wrong. And the social science behind this idea is that, well, first of all, when you do something that breaks the rules, for others it is surprising. Others tend to freeze in that moment and you might observe limited resistance to what you have done or limited outcry. But it's also the case that uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Resistance to something that has already been done is lower than the resistance needed to say yes or no to something. But he also stresses that when you go for this, then you also need to be able to stand the resulting potential social disapproval. And I think what he talks about here is always in the context of breaking the rules as in the rules of the game, not, not any legal rules uh, or severe ethical rules that you're breaking. So that's number two, rule number two, break the rules. Rule number three is appear powerful. So here he goes into the social science of how can you appear more powerful? 
by making direct eye contact, by keeping things brief, by perhaps not reading from notes when you have a speech. Much of the research here is about thin slicing that we do. We have a first glance at someone and we make all sorts of assumptions and use our intuition to quickly judge someone based on what we see. And rule number three, appear powerful, is all about making and taking advantage of that. How do you appear? Because people will thin slice and make assumptions based on how you appear. And if you appear powerful, well, the assumption is you are powerful. Rule number four is build a powerful brand. It's closely linked to rule number three. It's all about how do you tell a story of yourself? What's your narrative? How can you link up with prestigious associations, cultivate media around you, be controversial, appropriately controversial in your context, really also take the credit for your work. But it all comes down to what is the story, what is the brand that you're portraying to the outside world? Are you in control of that or are you not? Are you just letting it be and land whatever happens, happens? Right? So take, take control of building that powerful brand. That's rule number four. Rule number five is network relentlessly. Now, networking, some of us may have an aversion to doing that, but he says it's part of building resources. And there are four ideas or four principles of networking that he outlines. The first one is to pursue your weak ties. These weak ties, these are people that you know, but you're not you know, interacting with them on a, on a very regular basis. They're not your close friends, but they're people you're acquainted to, that you have a link to because you work in the same organization, for example, or you've been to the same events. And research uh, shows us that weak ties are really important because, for example, in job search, because we are able to go outside of our close circles and find much more opportunity with our weak ties than the people that we are interacting with on a regular basis. They are more likely to have the same opportunities to see the same things that we are already seeing. But weak ties go beyond that. And so that's, that's what makes that so attractive. The second principle of networking is to become a broker. So someone who can link different groups of people together and thus become you know, important to your network in that way. The third idea is to be central. So perhaps in terms of the information flow, you have access to information that is valuable to others and to be sharing that. And the fourth principle here is to create value for others and always have a focus to how are you creating value to your network and be helpful to your network. That's rule number five. Rule number six is to use your power. In short, using power increases power. It creates outcomes that wins supporters. It demonstrates that you have power, which in itself attracts more people. So it's a self-reinforcing mechanism here, the use of power. And rule number seven, the final rule is that success excuses almost everything. And this is partly based on the cumulative advantage that you have because people will want to work with you when they see you as powerful. They want to invest in you and be with you. 
So there's a confirmation confirmation bias here at, at work and it's closely linked to rule number six, use your power. But it's also that there are certain cognitive biases that are, are exploited here. People want to be consistent, for example, in their thinking. So uh, often the association is that if someone is powerful, then it needs to also mean, especially if we've got this fair world hypothesis, that they needed to work for it. So someone who is powerful also must be hardworking and perhaps even must be competent. And the author also argues that there's moral rationalization and decoupling at work. So moral rationalization means that people redefine immoral behavior as either not that bad or not the person's fault. Or there's moral decoupling at work with the people who support you as someone who's powerful. It's where you argue that immoral behavior is irrelevant to the performance for whatever it is that that you've done, right? It's uh, uh, irrelevant to what the work that you are doing. And I'm sure you can think of examples of powerful people where supporters do exactly those two things, either rationalize or decouple what has been done from, from any ethical considerations. Ultimately here, the basis of this rule is also the well-known principle of those in power get to write or rewrite history. So those are the seven rules of power in um, Jeffrey Pfeffer's uh, book, Seven Rules of Power. To summarize them, rule number one, get out of your own way. Rule number two, break the rules. Rule number three, appear powerful. Rule number four, build a powerful brand. Rule number five, network relentlessly. Rule number six, use your power. And rule number seven, Success excuses almost everything. So what do I think of this book? Well, first of all, it really challenges uh, normative uh, stance on power and how to get it, right? Our beliefs about what power should be about and how do we get it. Uh, the author is concerned with tactics. And I think that is very clear of how to get power. And I think what is helpful is the social science that he refers to in order to support each of these seven rules. But I think what is missing, or what at least the book is not concerned about, is the ends to which, towards which we use power. And obviously, you know, this is a manual and it's a very, the perspective is very clear, you know, use this responsibly. But I think there are two important elements missing in this account of power. One is the link between the power that you seek and the power that is given to you from those around you, from the world around you. And the second idea is that power corrupts and power shapes you and how you think and how you act. And I think those two are missing. There is social science out there that tells us on our way to power, we change and the way we think and the way we decide changes. And there's a real danger there that because of that, our actions will be detrimental to the people around us and this will lead them to not support us anymore, right? To take power away, to not grant that anymore. So there is a paradox here and and that is exactly actually then one book if you're curious about other perspectives on power that I would recommend and it's called The Power Paradox, a book by Dacher Keltner, another professor from the University of Berkeley 
And in that, he describes that rise to power that Jeffrey Pfeffer talks about in the seven rules. But he also mentions the downside of power, how power can corrupt and then can lead you down the curve again towards not having power. And he, he explains how this paradox uh, happens. So I hope this book is thought-provoking to you. It has been for me. I think there's much social science there to learn from. But at the same time, there is more research out there, I think, that is helpful to, to look into. I hope this podcast has been helpful. And let me know what you think of doing a book review like this once in a while. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.